Hey, Sahil. Hey, Crockett. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, man. Want to hear a joke? Go for it. Where do ghosts do their mail? Where? At the ghost office. <laughs> Welcome, guys, to another episode of Uninvested. I'm Sahil. I'm Crockett. And today, we're, we're going to be taking a step back and really going into what is venture capital. We've been talking about a few big deals, few big people, but we thought we'd give a real intro video talk about, you know, the basics. Well, time out, time out, time out. Should we just address the elephant in the room here? And, and for our, our uh, listeners on Spotify and Apple Music uh, and Apple Podcasts, let's just address the elephant in the room. Uh, yes, we're wearing furry walrus costume. Why? Because it's Halloween. Yes, uh, we are still in college. We like to have fun. <laughs> and I don't know, walrus onesies seem like the move. Uh, it was a mutual decision. Uh, I was kind of forced into it. Joking. It was a mutual <laughs> decision. Um, all right, let's cut back to it. Continue. So venture capital. So everyone knows they, about investing, giving money away. But let's really talk about the three main stages of investing in private companies. Mm-hmm. Actually, let's take a step back and let's talk about the terminology sell side versus buy side. Mm-hmm. Crockett, why don't you talk a little bit about sell side? So when we talk about, and so it's it's good to split up the two, right? So when we talk about uh, the sell side, you're referring mainly to kind of investment banking. You're thinking about the higher end um, of the spectrum where you are trying to take companies public um, and you're kind of like issuing shares. Um, that's not where venture capital falls in, which is more so on the buy side, which is really what we're going to be focusing on today. So for the purpose of this discussion, when you think buy side, um, think that's what we're focusing on. Sahil, um, let's give a breakdown of the buy side. Yeah, so buy side is all really about investing is when companies like venture capital firms go ahead and get stakes in companies. They actually own, they buy equity in these companies, right? So the three main areas of buy side we're going to focus on today is really venture capital is the first part. Then we'll go to growth equity, second part. And the last part is private equity, which most of you have probably heard. Um, it's the most popular one. It's the biggest one. But the most exciting one to me is venture capital. Yeah, well... Well, no doubt. This is the Everything Venture Capital Uninvested podcast. <laughs> yeah, fair uh, enough. We got to be focused on venture capital. Um, but, but think of it exactly like Sahil just mentioned, as kind of a spectrum. So you have venture capital um, at the low end, then you move into growth equity, then you move further into private equity. Um, today, we're going to talk about venture capital as it contrasts from the others. Um, use it as, a, as kind of a lens through which to highlight why it's so special, why we love it so much. Um, but let's, let's dive in. And so I think what we should talk about is kind of the baseline understanding, right? Um, of what all of them are. So the baseline understanding, all of them, what they really do is you're investing in private companies and all the investment firms have one mission, to make more money. Mm-hmm. If I give Crockett a dollar, I better get more than a dollar back. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there is zero chance of me giving him a dollar and all these economic you know, functions wouldn't exist today if these companies didn't think they would reap a benefit. However, where the main differentiator comes in is what type of companies are we investing in? How much are we investing? So when we think about venture capital, you're investing in very early firms, usually unprofitable, but growing extremely, you know, very, very fast. Mm-hmm. Next, when we went to growth equity, you know, this growth is actually slowed, you know, um, kind of contrast to the term growth equity, but the term is slowed, but you're investing a little bit more, we'll say. And then lastly, private equity. We're going to say now these companies are finally profitable, but their growth is pretty baseline. You know, it's pretty flat. They're not growing at this 100% every year. But private equity firms, what they do is very interesting. They take a majority stake most of the time into these companies. So they're becoming, like I said, the majority person running the decisions. And they do this because they see an upside to the companies they're you know investing in. And usually they do this with some form of 
debt, essentially. Right, right. And it's also sometimes helpful to think about the spectrum in terms of how established um, the actual companies are, right? And yeah. so you look at uh, operators in venture capital, they're startups, right? When you hear the term startup, you think venture capital. Growth equity um, is startup, but more so on the established side. These are companies that have been around for a while. They've raised a ton of money before. Exactly. Um, they're often, you know, a couple hundred people strong. It could be millions, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars that these private equity firms are putting into these um, companies. Yeah, well said. And then you move to private equity, which is if you are a PE firm, private equity, um, and you're you are essentially buying a majority stake in a company, it better be an established company and it yeah. better be profitable. Exactly. Right? But to us, that's not really boring. You know, there's a lot of numbers involved. Yep. You're really crunching the financials, seeing if there's upside there. But when you kind of scale it back to growth equity, even less numbers, some qualitative aspects. But when you really go all the way down to venture capital, there's very minimal numbers unless you're getting, you know, more to established companies. But I really like to focus on the early stage companies, but why don't we talk a little bit more specifically about venture capital and why the function of venture capital even exists? Right. So the function of venture capital, um, first from the founder's perspective, is you need money to get your product off the ground, right? Well, why can't you just, you know, use your friend's money, your neighbor's money, your own money? Well, that's, that's a good question. Well, first, that takes a long time, right? Maybe your startup's dying. Um, maybe you don't have the time and you don't have the runway. Runway's a term that we use in VC um, and entrepreneurship to help detail how long you have until your company goes kaput, right? So you essentially what you do is you like divide uh, the number of the number of dollars you have by like number of months and you get like a number of certain months of runway. Yeah, with you your have. with your revenue coming in. Right, with with your revenue coming in. Um but why wouldn't I raise money from my friends and family and go and go crowdsource, also known as bootstrapping? Um why wouldn't I go bootstrap? It's hard, man. Yeah, I mean yeah, bootstrapping is a term when a founder is raising all the money on themselves, they retain a hundred percent ownership of the startup. Mm. Everyone's dream, right? You sell the company for a billion dollars, you have a hundred percent, you get a billion dollars. But right. the reality is I don't have hundreds of millions of dollars, millions of dollars to go and, you know, go make my company, my startup become this billion dollar firm because it takes a lot of money to put in to get, you know, from a small, uh, small startup to, you know, where Apple and Google is. Yeah. Yeah. Rip meta. Yeah. Rip meta. Exactly. <laughs> but so, so I'm not going to bootstrap. It's taking too much time. My product's going to die. I need to get off the ground. Um, you have a savior and that's where Sahel Co. comes in. Yeah, you know, the best venture capital firm in the world, <laughs> South Seth Co., comes in and invests in the firm because it takes a lot of money to put into a company to bring it from a small-time startup all the way up to, you know, Apple, Google, Rip Meta. That's my new mic, by the way. Rest in peace, Meta. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, why would a venture capitalist even want to put money into a startup? You know, we have to consider how risky startups are. I think, the, like, there's numbers like... 50%, maybe 9 no, maybe like 90% of startups fail every 99% year. 99% of startups. 99, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know. I think it's like, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> but yeah, 99% of startups fail all the time. So you really are making bets, you know, in some essence when you're investing in a startup. Right. But the reason people and the main differentiator between venture capital, growth equity, and private equity is as you're investing in less established companies, you are expecting a much, much higher return. You know, venture capital firm, if I give you a dollar, I expect $3 back. Mm -hmm. Private equity firm, I give you a dollar, I'm only expecting you know, $1.10 back, right. $1.50. I'm not expecting that 3x return that a lot of venture capitalists, maybe even up to 10x, hopefully. Right. So there's a lot of intrigue and hype around your returns. That's one of the pros if you're a venture capitalist. Exactly. Right? And okay. also the biggest differentiator when you're investing as a venture capitalist, you're investing in very high growth firms. Like we said in the beginning, you know, those established firms, their baseline growth is flat, but with high growth firms, you know, it's very important. They're not a lot of metrics. You don't know how much revenue they have. So the one metric you really have is how fast is this firm growing? And that's usually 
an analogy to is this firm going to be good or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so let, let's just let's let's keep clarifying here, right? And so like if you're a venture capitalist and you're investing money, what does that mean? Is does it mean you're going to a company and saying, uh, I want to invest in this product specifically, or is that up to the founder? Yeah, that makes. What do you mean this product specifically? So let's say uh, I own a car company and I have car A and car B, and you're giving me money and you're saying I want you to use this just for car A. Um, is that up to you, or when you give money to founders as a venture capitalist, do they just take full directive and then they try to hustle and make whatever they can with that? Oh, money? okay, yeah. So this is where we have what we talk about a passive versus you know um um active investor essentially, mm -hmm. right? So when you go to when a venture capitalist goes to a founder, they can either try to lead around. We'll get into that maybe a little bit later. Talking about different stages. That's just how much monetary amounts people are getting. But when you lead around and you usually take an active role, you know, I, be, I want to become part of Crockett's company. I want to get a board seat. So I want to be one of their advisors and help them make strategic decisions. Sometimes venture capitalist firm come in and help them hire and that type of stuff. But also there's on the flip side, there are those passive investors where I'm just giving Crockett money. He can do whatever he wants with it as long as I get my $3 on the dollar back. Right. So you can you can sit back and kind of take like the backseat role as an investor or uh, you can try your best not to micromanage, but really make sure that your money is gonna gonna be getting you some type of return. Here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, interesting. Um, and so you're at you're at this place. You're a VC. You're investing money into a company. Um, how does that actually work? When you're investing money, do you do you write like a term sheet? Like, how does that work? So I'll explain. Okay, so a you're term... my guru for the sake of this episode. Okay, okay. So basically, a term sheet. What we're talking about. Think of this as just a contract between the investor, South South Co, and Crockett's Car Company. I'm giving you a term sheet. I'm showing the terms of what I want to get. So how much money I'm going to give him for what equity. You know, there might be some other stipulations in there. But the basis is I'm going to give him like a million dollars for 10% of his company. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that million dollars I have, if his company triples in values, the million dollars I put in is also going to triple in value. Right, right. Okay, interesting. It sounds pretty fun to be a venture capitalist, clearly. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, it sounds easy. You know, you just give away money. You get money back when this firm blows up. But like we said, 99% of startups fail. So there's a lot going into finding the best startups, I'd say. So let's talk about some pros and cons. Right? Yeah, go ahead. I think, I think that's an interesting space to look at, right? So I think one of the interesting things, and we talked about, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of intrigue if you're a founder and you're having a hard time bootstrapping or raising money from friends and family. There's a lot of incentive to go towards a VC, right? And to go raise money yeah. um, and to kind of gather a pool of money for your it's company. Really the fastest way to grow. Right. It, it's a it's a quick way to grow, but also you get resources. Because, yes. for example, if I'm a car company and Sahil Co has been investing in car companies for 30 years, he has a lot of connections. He knows what works. He knows what doesn't work. Exactly. And that's really exciting for me as, as a new founder in the space. But I think what an interesting con then occurs is the more money you raise and the more equity you're giving to people, the less you actually own of your business. Yeah, the more you're becoming like a public firm, you know, where you can't make decisions. Like like we're talking about Rip Meta, but seriously, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, he's coming under a ton of scrutiny from who? His investors. For what does he do? He made Facebook himself, and he wants to take it to the VR space. But you know what? He doesn't get to make those decisions anymore because Facebook is now a public company and is endowed to its shareholders, not the CEO and founder, Mark Zuckerberg, anymore. Right. Who is a shareholder, but, you know, I don't think he is. he's not the majority shareholder. He's not, but but again, it's it's like a horrible position to be in because at the end of the day, you are the point man for this company, and you are you are thought upon by all of your investors and given this responsibility to steer in the right direction, despite owning way less of the company than they yeah. might actually own. Exactly. A lot of people think venture capitalists like ah, oh, it's like the holy land. But in my real, in my like opinion, if you can bootstrap, you know that is the best option to retain your company, do what you want with your company, and 
at the end of the day, you will make the most money from your company if it scales to the same size. Mm-hmm. But the one difference is a venture capital firm is going to help you scale probably much bigger and much faster. Mm-hmm. When we talk about venture capital firms themselves, Sahil, are they are investing in whatever and everything? Do they specialize? What does that look yeah, like? Yeah, most of them specialize because, like we said, there's not many numbers. I don't know. You know, you're not profitable more, say, startups. You know, they just have, like, revenue coming in, certain customers. But really, I don't have any serious numbers. Your numbers could be all over the place. Maybe they're from a month. Maybe they're from a year. But they're not, you know, they're not reoccurring numbers. I haven't seen your past history. I'm really just making a bet, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I really have to be an expert in a certain industry. Yeah. That's why most, um, like, almost all venture capitalists themselves, like the partners and firms, they specialize in one area. They become the sole expert. Yeah. That knows what makes a good company in this industry versus what doesn't make a good company in this industry. Yeah, you'll see people across VC firms. There'll be a partner that specializes in, say, enterprise-level SaaS, software as a service. There'll be a partner that specializes in autonomous vehicles. There'll be a partner that specializes in food delivery. Like, people build up these expertise. And as a result, that kind of molds into, like, how VC firms actually operate. You have VC firms out there who are specifically geared at software or specifically geared at uh, consumer tech or specifically, you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think by doing that, you get better at picking out, yeah. say, Crockett's car company as, okay, I've seen companies like this before. Yeah. This is an interesting investment. And they all have their own philosophies. Maybe they use like quantitative metrics, but they all have their sole way, you know, certain type of companies that they want to invest in. And that can vary from partner to partner within a venture capital firm. But another area I want to talk about is like, how do you really different besides like, what they specialize in. Is there anything else, Crockett, that you think differentiates venture capitalist firms? From each other or from different levels of investors? I'd say to to a founder, you know, when like, you know, you have two venture capital firms throwing hundred million dollar checks at your face, it's kind of hard to tell them apart. Right, right. So I think there's a couple different things. The first is we talked about before, there's a difference between passive investors and active investors. Yeah. Um, if I know that this company has a track record of, you know, it's going to be great. They're going to give me way more money than the other company. Yeah. But I'm never going to talk to this person again. They're, they're only going to come to me when they want their money back. That might not be super great for me. Exactly. So as a founder, you have to consider that um, money isn't the only, the only thing that's going to get you through the next couple months, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you need resources. You need help. You need people who are going to help you build a team. You need um, venture capital firms who are going to say, look, I have great options for a C-suite for you, and these people can build out a great exactly. team. They may know potential customers. They might already have relationships. They can literally be like, here's this customer, let me put you in touch. Mm-hmm. So, you're, so you're weighing a scale, but it's also, um, sometimes there are very specific needs you have as a founder. Yeah. So uh, let's say, imagine, um, I am a founder in Los Angeles. Well, actually, I think the best way to think about it is like, you know, when you go to Shark Tank, yep. right, each founder, like we said, has their own industry, but they also come with their own network as well. When you join Mark Cuban, if you have a sporting brand, you know, any start related to sports, you want to go with Mark Cuban. Mm-hmm. He knows the most about sports. Not only does he know the most, but he also knows the most people in sports. Yeah. You look at someone like Damon, right? If you're familiar with Shark Tank, I love Damon's Shark Tank. Damon's the goat of Shark Tank, by the way. Yeah. So he's the one, you know, fashion industry expert, right? You have a fashion brand. Who are you going to go to? Damon, obviously. You go to the founder of FUBU. That's who you're going to go yeah, to. Yeah, you're not really going <laughs> to go to the owner of the Dallas Mavericks yeah. when you could try to go to the founder of FUBU, exactly. But, but that's the thing. Uh, Mark Cuban might offer you three times the money, but does he have the resources you want? No, he, he might not exactly have those, right? Exactly. Um, so, so it's got to be a fit, and that's a really important thing that founders look for, but it's also equally as important on the VC side because um, venture capitalists will look for patterns in people that they've seen before, people who are successful, people who are unsuccessful. And that's, that's how ultimately they'll craft their due diligence and, and make a decision. Exactly. That's, I think that's a great segue because what I really want to talk about next is you know what do venture capitalists even do? 
do. We said, you know, they make bets, they invest money, expect returns, have a network. But on a day to day, what does a venture capitalist do? And I think the best way to start off is, you know, when you go like analyst to partner. So I can start with, you know, and then Crocker will get into due diligence. But an analyst really is the one's main job is going to be sourcing, you know. By any means, remember that word sourcing. Remember the word sourcing. <laughs> By any means necessary, am I going to go out and I'm going to find the next Apple, the next Figma? You know, I'm going to, by any means necessary, any networks I have, I'm going to have conversations with these CEOs. And then, you know, once they go through the funnel, I pick like a few I like, I might propose it to an associate. And then we'll have it from there, Crockett. So you propose it to an associate, and that's when a process starts happening called the due diligence process. Exactly. Due diligence is used as kind of an analogy in like day-to-day conversation. Yep. The way that it's referred to in venture capital um, and investing, even at growth equity in the, in, the, in the private equity level, is how much do I know about this company and how much can I understand before I'm ready to sign a check for this company? So due diligence includes things like taking all of their financials, checking the, checking the legality of the product yeah. that they own. The competitive landscape. Checking who, the competitive, who's doing the mar- this product Who's better. out there else? Yeah, who else who, is out there? Who else is out there? And a big part of that, a big part of the due diligence process, and we touched on this a little bit before because it's what helps differentiate VC firms, is something called an investment thesis. Yes. So a lot of venture capitalists, when we look at these partners who specialize in different areas, they'll build up a thesis, which is basically their idea of where a space is going. And that's kind of the next level person and like the partner. You know, there's a lot of terms between like the middlemen, like you right. have your analyst associates and then like firms have all different names, principal, you know, VPs, mm-hmm. directors, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, when you get like kind of up to like higher level, we'll call them. Yeah. Right. Because at, at this analyst level, you're not creating an investment. No, 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 no. You are listening and you are, you're, you're trying to learn because yeah. you're no, you're not an expert in any field yet. Mm-hmm. So, so you start to move up. Um, you have, Maybe at the associate level, those are the people who are doing a lot of the due diligence and the back-end work. You're checking to make sure that this company has their stuff straight. Their founder is not telling different people different things. Yeah. They have a story. They have a product. If we put money in this product, are we confident, or in this person, are we confident that they're going to do what they say and that the product is going to succeed in the way that, that the person is describing? Um, as it gets higher up the chain, that's when you validate it with an investment thesis, right? And so that's when you say, let's go back to the car company analogy, right? Like, let's say you want to invest in a car company. And I'm a partner of a VC firm, and I'm telling you, um, I know where the car space is going. It's going here. Yeah. Then I can then I can try to make a guess, like if that's where the car space is going, if that's my thesis. Yeah. Is this car company going to be positioned in that space nicely? Exactly. And so that's how you can kind of help validate it as a VC too. And so. Yeah. Um, yeah, we know we threw a lot at you guys. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. It's a, a day in the life of a VC. Again, it's abstract. Yeah. And we try to simplify it, but it is not simple at all. Mm-hmm. It's not. But look, at the end of the day. What you need to remember is just all VCs are doing is they're putting money into a company expecting a huge return. Yeah, and they're putting money into early companies. Early companies. Startups. If you are expecting a lot of money and you're going to put in a lot of money, you better do due diligence. Exactly. You better understand like, what companies are going to be the best out there. Yeah, well, thank you guys for listening. You know, Let us know in the comments. We haven't got any really comments yet, but if you want any you know, venture capitalists, founders, any other topics you really want us to talk about, you know, we're, we're really about doing anything. Yeah, definitely. And make sure to check out the Spotify and the Apple podcast as well. If you are listening on those platforms right now, please tune into the YouTube at Uninvested Podcast. Yeah, you can see these sick walrus Let costumes. us know what you think of these massive, like, five-pound tusks that are hanging off our heads right now. Yeah, I mean, we could keep wearing them if that's what the viewers want. <laughs> uh, right. With well, that being said, this is Uninvested. I'm, I'm Brock Calloway. I'm Sahil. Thanks for joining. Thank you.